News on RTHK. An international station for an international city. This is Radio 3. Good morning, this is Peter Lewis. Welcome to a brand new week of Money Talk on Radio 3. It's 8.03 in Hong Kong on Monday the 6th of February. Today sees a further relaxation of COVID border controls between Hong Kong and mainland China. With the remaining road checkpoints reopening, daily travel quotas eliminated and the scrapping of PCR tests for most travellers between the mainland and Hong Kong. The Hong Kong Tourism Board said it's confident the full border reopening, coupled with the Hello Hong Kong promotional campaign launched on Thursday, will attract mainland and overseas visitors to the city. Chief Executive John Lee has vowed to seize on business opportunities for Hong Kong during his trip to Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates and to broaden the city's economic and trade cooperation with the region. Mr Lee left for the Middle East on Saturday, taking with him several of his top officials and more than 30 industry leaders. Hong Kong's private sector returned to growth in January. Data from the S&P Global Purchasing Managers Index survey showed Friday. The reading came in at 521 That marks the first print above the 50 mark that separates growth from contraction since August 2022, as easing COVID-19 restrictions led to higher demand and powered a renewed surge in business activity. And the economy's business confidence hit a record high. China's service sector, which includes industries such as retail and travel, rebounded back into expansionary territory in the first month of 2023, according to the Kaishin S&P Global Services PMI. The Business Activity Index rose to 52.9 in January from 48 in December as both supply and demand picked up after the country staged a U-turn on its zero-COVID policy. And the United States added 517,000 jobs in January. That's the highest since August 2022 and much greater than the 185,000 anticipated by Wall Street economists. The jobless rate fell to 3.4% from 3.5% the previous month. That's the lowest since 1969. Average hourly wage growth remained at the 0.3% month-on-month pace, while year-on-year wage growth fell to 4.4%. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Alex Wong, Director of Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management, and Mark Michelson, Chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia. With a view from mainland China, is Shanghai-based independent economist Andy Scher. And please do get in contact. We do read all of your messages. You can text 63935925, email moneytalk at rthk.hk. We're on Facebook, Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3, and of course on Twitter at Money Talk Radio 3. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. On Wall Street Friday, US stocks and bonds slid following the strong jobs report, which detracted rather from the market narrative that interest rates are close to a peak. Despite Friday's sell-off, the S&P 500 notched another winning week and on Thursday it rose to its highest level since August after the Federal Reserve opted to raise rates at a more modest pace than in recent months. 
The S&P 500 fell 1% on Friday to 4,136, but gained 1.6% over the week. That's its fourth weekly gain in five. The Dow slid 128 points, or 0.4%, to 33,926. It was the underperformer over the week, down 0.2%. The tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite slipped 1.6% on Friday to 12,007, while finishing the week 3.3% higher. That's its fifth straight winning week, and this is now the Nasdaq Composite's best start to a year since 1975. Earnings from Apple, Amazon and Alphabet showed sales growth softening at the three tech giants. Shares of Apple closed 2.4% higher, while Amazon slumped 8.4%, and Alphabet slipped 3.3%. The Pan-European Stock 600 Index was up a third of percent on the day, but down 1.2% over the week. London's FTSE 100, that rose 1% Friday to a new record high of 7,902, eclipsing its previous peak, which was reached in May 2018. Hong Kong stocks declined on Friday, sending the market to its first week of losses in seven. The Hang Seng Index retreated 298 points, or 1.4%, to 21,660. And for the week, it fell 4.5%. The Tech Index was off 1.3%, extending its weekly loss to 3.7% and snapping a five-week rally. Mainland Chinese funds sold more than 17.5 billion Hong Kong dollars worth of Hong Kong-listed stocks last week through the Stock Connect links between Hong Kong and mainland China. On the mainland, the Shanghai Composite Index fell 0.7% to 3,262. For the week, it was flat. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil tumbled almost 8% last week. Uh, and this morning, it's at $80.90 a barrel. Copper is off almost 5% over the five sessions. Gold fell over 3% to $1,868 an ounce. And a heavy sell- sell-off in government bonds Friday more than reversed the large gains, which was in the previous day's session. The yield on the 10-year Treasury jumped 12 basis points to 3.52%. And the US dollar, that jumped higher against a basket of six major currencies. The euro is trading at $1.08. The Japanese yen, that's dropped about 1% this morning in early trading in Asia after the Nikkei reported that Masayoshi Amiyama has been approached by the government for the role of Bank of Japan governor. Mr. Amiyama is the current deputy governor at the BOJ and is seen as likely to continue the current easy monetary policy. The yen this morning is at 131.58. Sterling tumbled 1.5% last week to $1.20.5 and 9 Hong Kong dollars and 46 cents. The Chinese yuan was 0.7% weaker last week onshore at 6.77 and a third versus the dollar. Offshore yuan is trading at 6.82.5 this morning. And Bitcoin, that was up slightly over the week, trading right now at $22,900. And around Asia-Pacific stock markets this morning, the SX200 in Australia is flat. The Nikkei 225 in Japan is up 1%. The Cosby in South Korea is down 1%. And futures markets pointing to a fall of about 150 points for the Hang Seng at the Open this morning. Radio 3. 
The time's 8.10. Let's welcome our guests. We have with us our regular Monday commentator, Alex Wong, director of Alex KY Wong Asset Management. Morning to you, Alex. Hey, morning, Peter. And also with us is Mark Michelson, chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia. Morning, Mark. Good morning, Peter. Thank you. And today sees a further relaxation of COVID border controls between Hong Kong and mainland China. The remaining road checkpoints are reopening. Daily travel quotas have been eliminated. The scrapping of PCR tests for most travellers between the mainland and Hong Kong uh, has also taken place. The latest moves, they amount to an effective full border reopening and the dropping of most pandemic restrictions for cross-border travellers. In a statement, the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office said that from today, there will no longer be a quota for people travelling between Hong Kong and the mainland. Previously, crossings, land crossings had been limited to 50,000. And for the time being, visitors from other places other than the mainland or Macau will need to obtain a negative rapid test result before departing for Hong Kong. But everyone else will no longer need to have to do a PCR test. So, um, Alex, what do you think? This is good news, isn't it? Are we close to getting back, do you think, to how things were now before the pandemic? Yeah, of course. Of course, this is good news. And, uh, and, and, and we are probably we are very close to a full reopening now. Mm. Uh, hopefully, we would see uh, more um, tourist groups to come. I think uh, individual investors actually are already um, back to normal or, or spike to a, a hard and normal level. But uh, we need to see whether um, travelers are interested in coming in groups, I think. The, I suppose the only co- major COVID restriction that remains now is the mask mandates. Mm. Do you think that needs to be removed to fully attract visitors to Hong Kong? Is that an impediment or do you think people are not bothered about that? Uh, I think people are not bothered about that uh, because this is just a, a very minor procedure. So I think uh, the people will not be bothered by this one. Mark, what are your members saying uh, about this? Uh, they are bothered by that. I can say that some of them at least, I mean, not the ones in Hong Kong, but it just, it still sets Hong Kong apart from everywhere else. It's great that this that's opening and I think it'll, it will be a boost to the Hong Kong economy, but it will be slow, especially for international travelers because you still have the, the testing that's required and the mask, it's symbolic rather than the actual effect of it. And I think that 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 will, you know, once that is eased or lifted, it will at least send a greater signal that Hong Kong is really open for business. Not so much for China and Hong Kong or, or part of this region, but for the rest of the world. The, the airport authority CEO, Fred Lam, he said on Sunday that the plan to hand out these half a million tickets is going to offer a much needed boost to the aviation industry. But he also said the sector would need up to two years to get back to pre-pandemic levels. I mean, that suggests this is good news, but it is going to be a slow, hard recovery. Is, is, what, is that being reflected by what your members are saying at the, uh, the Asia CEO? Yeah, forum? I mean, you know, we just, we just had a, our, normal, our normal meeting where we, 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 you know, we had a general discussion on all of this, and I, and I would say the, the overall view is cautious, optimistic but cautious. In a lot of different areas, exports is another area, of course, and affecting Hong Kong in a big way. We just saw, yeah, it was just reported today that the pharmacies who had expected a thirty percent boost from uh, the the holiday holiday influx got five percent. Now I know it's early and things are going to change, but it is it'll probably take some time. Nonetheless, the signals are positive, and you know we all talked for a long time that one of Hong Kong's major selling points is access to China. And now we've got it again. Mm. Alex, do you think that 
those companies that have left Hong Kong or mainland China over the past three years or reduced their staffing level, are they now starting to think about coming back? Well, I think uh, probably part of them, but uh, not all of them. Well, first of all, I think um, many manufacturers actually have diversified their manufacturing base. So um, that is, I think, uh, something may not be coming back. And another thing is, um, like you said, the traveling hub um, competition. Actually, we are uh, lagging behind. So probably you need to see some pickup games. Uh, and, and the comments actually are quite bearish. If you take two years, that is too long. I think uh, uh, the competition for the hub status actually uh, uh, is very um, severe and, and, and we are we are in a bad position against Singapore right now. So I think uh, we need to see a very huge pickup on that. And um, and I think about, of course the power of them are coming back because of the link with China's. The other thing that I'd like to add on Hobbs is a couple of years ago we did a session on the future of travel and one of, with some with some uh, industry airline industry experts and they questioned or they raised the point is is the is the hub going to be as important going forward as it was in the past or are individuals for either travel or leisure want to fly more directly not just for hong kong but for others and i think that's one of the things that are, it's going to be tested in the next year or two to see where we are in that situation too are you hearing talk about companies coming back some but not many because most the ones that have moved you know they moved they moved for various reasons and not just because of covid although covid sometimes helped uh helped give the big stimulus or the big push so you know once they've moved to wherever to singapore or elsewhere the question i think is and it's going to be a a test is whether those companies that didn't didn't uh didn't uh, replace their executive in charge of asia whether in hong kong or anywhere mm-hmm. else especially those companies that are very active in asia are they going to bring someone in or was was this a temporary measure or was it a uh a more permanent measure, whether it's for Hong Kong or, or for anywhere else in the in the region. Are we talking about a lot of companies there, or is it just a, a small number? It's, 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 you know, for our, you know, we have a, our, our group is, is now doesn't represent all the companies. We have about, we have about close to 350 comp- corporate members ac- across Asia. But for them, it's a significant, it's not overwhelming group, but what's surprising, this always happens over time. It's not so unusual, but this is accelerated. And what's surprising is some of the companies are really big names, not only internationally, but in Asia, and especially China. It's been important to them from a supply side and also from a customer side. Alex, tell me what you think about the Hong Kong, the Hello Hong Kong campaign that was announced last week, giving away half a million um, airline tickets, local companies giving out vouchers to spend in restaurants and bars. What sort of difference do you think that makes uh, to the economy? Do you think it's a good idea? Is it going to give us a boost? Of course it will give us a boost. Uh, I think uh, it will attract a uh tourists from other areas more more than China. So uh, this is um, definitely a boost and, and, and hopefully they, they would uh, try, uh, they would get a good experience here and, and, and spread out the, the attractiveness of Hong Kong to, the, to, to, to others. Well, we are seeing signs, aren't we, that the, uh, the Hong Kong uh, economy is recovering. I know the GDP data that came out last week was bad, but then we did have the PMI data, and that showed the private sector's um, return to growth um, in, in January. New orders, they rose at the fastest pace since July, and, the, and business confidence in the local economy here has hit a record high. So there is encouraging signs, isn't there, that maybe we've reached the bottom and things are starting to turn around. 
Yeah, of course. Because of this reopening, actually, people would be quite uh, confident and and they would be preparing. And the only thing I think is uh, the uh, labor situation actually is quite tight. Mm. Yeah, the the other I agree, and I I think it's it's good news. And we've raised our forecast for a lot of, for Hong Kong, for China, and others, partly in reaction to the IMF, which I think you've probably talked about in in previous programs. But their forecast for once was actually. It's higher than the one the previous the previous time, which hasn't happened in in a long time, not dramatically, but to some extent. But, you know, the other thing they they mentioned is the the greatest risk to that is if the Chinese economy stalls. And one of those areas, of course, of concern is export manufacturing and and exports in general, which also affects Hong Kong in terms of re-export. So, you know, Hong Kong, for example, last month, you mentioned the. uh, the fall in unemployment in the U.S. and how that was the greatest since 1969. Well, the fall in exports was the greatest in 68 years for Hong Kong. You know, this may be temporary, but still it, it sends signals that we still have a ways to go before before coming back to where we were. Now, Chief Executive John Lee has vowed to seize on business opportunities for Hong Kong during his trip to Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates and to broaden the city's economic and trade cooperation with the region. Mr. Lee left for the Middle East on Saturday. His delegation's in Riyadh, and then he's going to head to Abu Dhabi and Dubai. And Mr. Lee said both are very successful economies. They have a great vision and a great development blueprint in finance, innovation and technology, as well as infrastructure and logistics. And their development vision and needs are exactly in line with Hong Kong's business advantages. So Hong Kong can seize a lot of business opportunities. Alex, what do you think of the opportunities for Hong Kong in the Middle East? Yeah, I think that this is a very good move because uh, right now Middle East actually has benefited a lot from from Russia. So uh, they, they have gained a lot of market shares in the oil market and they become very rich and their, their sovereign funds actually are, have a, a lot to spend. So yeah. I think uh, they probably would uh, would be a very active investors here and actually it would be a very active investors everywhere if you look at the uh, sports sports teams actually they bought uh, quite a few of sports teams uh, in, in the UK so um, I think uh, uh, this is a good move and probably we've been helping them in in the financial market probably uh, we would be a um, seeing them in the uh, Hong Kong EX, seeing more uh, Middle East companies uh, mm. coming to Hong Kong to list. There are a lot of sovereign wealth funds, aren't there, in the Middle East? In fact, some of the world's biggest um, are in the Middle East. So presumably they need products to invest in, and this is where Hong Kong could have an advantage in terms of providing that product. Yeah, right. So, so we probably would would see more tailored products on them because the Muslim financing actually is a bit different from, uh, from the traditional products. Yeah, I, I agree. And this is the area where I think we can benefit. And this is, of course, piggybacking on on, on China's increased uh, contacts with, with the Middle East, with Saudi Arabia and, and other places. We've been working, Hong Kong's been working on this for a long time. When I was in government uh, in the in the 2000s, early to, earlier 2000s, we were working on this and on Southeast Asia. But now I think we have a a much better opportunity, and as Alex said, especially in financial services. Mm. I mean, I suppose the thing that uh, people are looking at is Saudi Aramco. They would love to, or the government would certainly love Mm. to see a secondary secondary listing of Saudi Aramco here in Hong Kong. Do you think that would be, if we got that, would that be the jewel in the crown? Oh, yeah, of course, because this is a (laughs) a top 10 company in the world. So uh, Mm. this is a huge, actually, yeah. 
does seem to be happening, doesn't it, at a good time? Because um, the, the Saudi Arabia is changing its economic model, isn't it, to rely less on oil, get involved in other things like financial services, like um, technology. It's also um, moving economically more closer to China. President Xi Jinping was in Saudi Arabia just last year, I think December, wasn't it? So in many ways, this is a good time to be doing this, isn't it? Yeah, as I said, the, the timing is, is very good. And the relationship with China is, if you've got to take advantage of that, and, and Hong Kong can. And But what we have the advantage of in that situation is just as, as I mentioned earlier, it's the financial side, and we're more open. We're international financial center. And uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if we're able to make this connection with the Saudis and others? What do Hong Kong businesses then have to do to be successful in the Middle East? Well, <laughs> it's not... I think you should you should ask some of them as well. I think I think it's to understand what the opportunities are and learn how to communicate. They are different cultures, right? A little different different perspectives and so on. And uh, I think there's got to be good effort on both sides. And there'll be help. There'll be help because the Saudi and and other 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 Middle Eastern countries, their representatives are trying to look for opportunities, especially those that are based here, and vice versa. So it's a question of of listening and then finding areas where we can cooperate. And I expect the business associations will will help on both sides, will help uh, facilitate that. Alex, just before we go, I want to get your thoughts on the local markets here. We've had the biggest weekly fall last week in about three months, but the Hang Seng has rallied 50% from its bottom in October. So I presume there is some natural profit taking going on. But where are we? Is this just a... Um, is this just a pause for profit taking or is the whole rally a bear market rally? I think that this is a pause in the, uh, in the, in the, in the strong rally. Uh, this correction actually is triggered by the um, reform in the IPO systems in China. So people are worrying about uh, an influx of uh, new companies listed in, the, in Shanghai and Shenzhen. So mm. that is affecting the fund flows. So I think uh, this is not really uh, changing the fundamental side. And so probably we should have a momentum coming back later on after people uh, realize that uh, there would not be so many uh, IPOs uh, coming uh, later on. So I think uh, uh, this correction actually would not be uh, very long. OK, well, thank you very much. That's Alex Wong, Director of Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management's Mark Michelson, Chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia. 5, 6, 7 a.m. Radio 3. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hello, audience of RTHK. I'm Po Chen, the Financial Secretary. This year marks the 95th anniversary of RTHK. I wish RTHK every success in starting a new chapter for public service broadcasting. 95 years of public service broadcasting. 95 years. Stay tuned, Stay tuned. with Hong Kong. Time's 8.25. On the phone now is Shanghai-based independence economist Andy Sher. Morning, Andy. Good morning, Peter. Now, we have seen, uh, following the, the Chinese New Year holidays, some high-frequency consumption data. It does suggest, doesn't it, a decent start uh, to a consumption rally in 2023. What, what do you think from your position there? Are you encouraged by what you've seen in terms of the pickup in activity over the holidays? 
Well, I think a lot of people hadn't been home for three years. So the desire of going, going, going back uh, uh, this time was very strong. So, uh, so that, I think that was a special case. And uh, we need to be cautious about uh, how consumers will behave later on. And if they have the financial means uh, to, to, to consume, if they want to. So I think that uh, still uh, we need to be cautious. Are, are you expecting uh, a, a pickup in, consume, in consumption demand over the course of this year, particularly in sort of like discretionary um, areas? Or, or do you think it's going to be um, rather, rather cautious? Well, obviously, there's going to, there's some pickup. Uh, people uh, couldn't go to restaurants during the lockdowns last year, mm. and uh, they, they uh, obviously uh, and, and they couldn't travel. So uh, these two areas will see some significant recovery, but uh, uh, to, would they recover to uh, the levels before the pandemic? I, I, I seriously doubt it. Mm. So there is a pickup, but it's not a, 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 a not very strong. It's not certainly it's not going to be a growth driver. And the uh, the government is uh, far more interested in getting people back to work. Now you say uh, it's uh, in, yeah. You say it's not going to be a growth driver. That's obviously not what the government wants to see, is it? Because the the state council was saying last week that they want consumption to really be at the centre of the Chinese economy. Oh, they've been saying that for twenty years. Mm. So uh, I, I think about it in terms of what the government is doing. It's a different different thing. You know, the government hasn't given. Uh, households or enterprises uh, financial relief during three years of pandemic. I, I would say this is a, a special case mm. among industrialized economies. So uh, it, it, obviously, uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure the government really means it. So you, you make a good point there that the government didn't provide direct monetary stimulus, particularly for lower income households during the pandemic, which was really the opposite of what a lot of other countries did, where they did provide basically checks, didn't they, for the lower income households. So do you think, and that's obviously a large part of the Chinese economy, so do you think that's going to add more uncertainty to things like employment and income growth um, uh, amongst uh, private sectors and amongst households? Yeah, I, I think that the government's focus is not on that, despite what it is saying. The government is very focused on getting people back to work. Mm -hmm. The government is very focused on great power competition. So if there is money, the government wants to spend it on what it, what it wants to do. So I think that it's, it's still China is different. China has, has a, clear, a clear goal, and the goal is not... Uh, uh, to uh, to maximize consumption. Mm. So, what do you make then of the uh, the PMI data that we saw last week? China's services sector, um, it, according to Kaishin, that did rebound um, back into expansionary territory um, in China. The business activity index rose to fifty two point nine. So that's. Uh, new orders, they also increased for the first time in five months. There does seem to be a sign when you look at that forward indicating uh, sort of data that things are bouncing back a bit in China. Well, obviously, factories uh, are getting back to work. Mm. Uh, and uh, the uh, uh, people couldn't go to factories. And a lot of exporters, ex export orders were not, not, not filled. So uh, that's something I've been expecting, a uh, very strong 
a recovery in factory and in export. Uh, and that, that will be driving uh, the economy. Uh, but in terms of uh, the domestic side, it's going to be it's going to be anemic. You look at the property sector. Obviously, the developers are still not servicing their debt. Mm. They get some uh, dedicated liquidity to keep projects going or construction going. Uh, and, and that's about it. And then you look at the local governments. Uh, they couldn't sell land. They don't have the money to pay this, the, 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 the civil servants. Uh, so uh, they, they certainly want to have a spare money to keep going all these projects. So I, th- I think a lot of uh, so quite a significant weaknesses in, on the domestic side. So the the, uh, the hope is still that on the external side, uh, the global economy is still ticking, and uh, Chinese uh, exports are very competitive. Andy, thank you very much indeed. It's always a pleasure talking with you. That's Shanghai. That's Shanghai-based independent economist Andy Share. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio Three. Let's take a final look at the uh, at the markets for this morning. Let's take a final look at the markets for this morning. I actually can't hear myself speaking anymore, so I'm not sure that. I, yes, I can. Um, the markets this morning. Sorry about that. Uh, the ASX 200 in Australia right now is trading at uh, 0.2% lower. The Nikkei 225 in Japan up three quarters of a percent. The Cosby in South Korea down one and a quarter percent, and futures markets pointing to a loss of about 170 points later on this morning. Uh, let me give you an update on the weather forecast just before I go. It's going to be mainly cloudy, bright periods during the day, maximum temperature of around 21 degrees, mild and misty tomorrow, and then windier on Wednesday. Temperature right now is 19 degrees, 87% relative humidity. Do please join in uh, with Money Talk again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Back chats coming up after the news with Jim Gould and Mike Rouse. 8.32, here's Todd Harding with the Half Hour News. A member of the International Social Service says an estimated 10,000 students will cross the border into Hong Kong on Wednesday to return to in-person classes here for the first time in three years. Arrangements have been made for the students to return in phases, starting with secondary pupils and to be followed later this month by primary and kindergarten children. Iris Liu from the Hong Kong branch of ISS told RTHK that students and teachers would need time to adapt, having held online classes for so long. on the students' physical, psychological and academic development. Even some of them, before they know how to speak Cantonese, and now they are not practicing and it's, uh, have difficulty in, in communication. And there's uh, no physical class for many years. Not only the students, but also the school staff need a period of time to adapt. Now, everything back to normal. They have to work hard to recover the lost time. Chief Executive John Lee says he's looking forward to building stronger ties between Hong Kong and Saudi Arabia as officials launch negotiations on an agreement to promote investment between the two. Mr Lee spoke at an investment forum hosted by the Trade Development Council in Riyadh. The agreement will further promote bilateral investment flows and strengthen confidence of investors from both sides. We're also working to begin negotiations on an MOU promoting direct investment cooperation that can only fast-track our business and investment collaboration. 
Saudi Investment Minister Khalid Al-Fali, who also attended the forum, said there are several areas in which Hong Kong and Saudi can work together, including financial services. And police in Hong Kong seized almost 200 servers containing stolen data from over 500 people around the world from February to December last year. The data was collected internationally using malicious apps disguised as legitimate software and downloaded by users. Officers say none of the victims were in Hong Kong and the suspected perpetrators are also outside the SAR. Superintendent Fan Chun Yip from the Cybersecurity and Technology Crime Bureau said the stolen data could have been used against the victims. During our investigation, uh, it was found that the local service contained a large amount of victim personal photos stolen from their mobile phone's album. Some of the photos contain intimate personal parts, identity cards, bank cards, uh, login credentials and some uh, personal uh, information. It was believed that together with the stolen